I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good morning, everybody, and welcome into Hog Hoops Live. I am your host, Curtis Wilkerson. You can find me over at Hogsports.com with Trey Biddy, Danny West, and Andrew Ellis. We have a week between basketball games. What is that all about? The good news is that it's almost over, and there's still plenty to discuss about the Razorbacks. A sneaky good matchup this weekend over at Simmons Bank Arena. Uh, some relevant happenings around the college basketball world. We're going to touch on it all. Let's go ahead and get this party started. All right. You know all the places by now that you can watch and listen to the show at this point. Be sure to throw us a like, a thumbs up, a five-star review. Any of those things really do help us. We appreciate it a ton when you do that for us. A uh, quick reminder before we get started about our latest promo. It's still going on over at Hog Sports. Not only is it a good offer, uh, I do think it's a unique one, not one that we do often. Hog Sports is 50% off right now for your annual VIP membership. And Paramount Plus is free with your subscription. So everything we have to offer, whether it be our VIP content analysis, recruiting coverage, which is going crazy right now on the football end, uh, the Razor's Edge message board, we had a one of those crazy plane tracking threads going on. So uh, all that stuff is 50% off for the entire year right now and you get commercial free Paramount Plus. Uh, that's a $99.99 value for free. And so I've, I've told you before, Trey likes to do the math and all these things and break it down. You get $207.39 worth of services for just $53.70. Uh, and you get to keep Paramount Plus for free as long as you're subscribed over at Hog Sports. Um, also, for our monthly subscribers, you can upgrade to the annual 50% off and get this deal as well. No promo code is required. Just jump over to our website, hogsports.com, H-A-W-G sports.com. You'll see it. Click on the story. Follow the instructions. You're good to go. All right. Let's get rolling. A little bit of a different show today, uh, maybe a bit shorter. We usually have a game to go back and break down. Um, well, we don't have that this time around, right? Because we've already done it. At this point, you know, Arkansas has picked up a really nice win last weekend over Oklahoma and Tulsa, 88-78. Uh, to 78. If you haven't done so already, I'd suggest going back and checking out our live reaction from the BOK Center from that game. Uh, the podcast, you can find it on, on our Hog Sports channel where you find Hog Sports Live with Trey. Um, all over on the, the Hog Hoops Live YouTube page. Way more enjoyable uh, doing that at the BOK Center last weekend than it was last year. That is for sure a way better outcome uh, for the Razorbacks. I meant to hop on here and do this show yesterday, but we found out we were going to have Eric Musselman and, and Nick Smith for a press conference. So 
uh, thought it might be a good idea to just go ahead and hear what those guys had to say before I jumped on here and start babbling around. So uh, that's what we did. But you know, it's it's kind of been an eventful week here for the Razorbacks. Some pretty cool stuff, I think, uh, coming out for some of the individual players. You know, speaking of Nick Smith, I mean, how good has he been since his return? USBWA Freshman of the Week, SEC Co-Freshman of the Week, Dick Vitale's Diaper Dandy of the Week. I mean, you name it for a freshman, and, and he picked up the award, uh, you know, for his performances the last two games. Him and Anthony Black were both listed uh, on our top impact freshman rankings over at 24-7 Sports. I think that story came out this morning. You know, the, the thing with Nick, in my opinion, and, and he said it himself, is we haven't seen his best yet. And he's been pretty darn good. You know, we talked to him yesterday, and he said he feels like he's he's still kind of getting his legs back underneath him. That's going to happen when you when you miss about a month for any athlete. You know, working on getting his full explosion back. I mean, listen, he's averaging 15 points per game right now, and that's skewed a little bit by only getting five minutes in that in that first game against Troy. If there's another level to that man's game, that, that's got to be a scary proposition for opponents. I'm excited to see it. I'm sure you are, too. He's fine, by the way. Uh, missed the last few minutes of that game against Oklahoma. Uh, you know, he's been practicing this week. We interviewed him yesterday. I, I think he should be good to go. You know, with Anthony Black, you know, he's been such a key cog for Arkansas. You know, he's, it's kind of the same story with him. I think there's another gear, another level that he can go to. He's averaging nearly 13 points per game. I think that's more scoring than, than people might have expected. More than five rebounds as well. He's shooting 40% from three. Uh, he is turning it over a little bit too much. To be as good of a point guard, as great of a passer as he is, he's on pace for, for nearly 100 turnovers this season. I have a really strong hunch uh, that he's going to clean that up as he continues to get more comfortable and settle in. Uh, and then just, you know, really I think finding his role with that full backcourt uh, healthy now for the first time this season, uh, you know, balancing getting his shots up versus getting everyone else involved. It, it's trick. There's there's more to it for a point guard maybe than some other guys. Uh, and there is a balance to strike there with him. You know, we talked about it some last week. I, I do feel like with A.B., you know, he still should be getting close to 10 shots per game up. I think he should be Arkansas's third leading scorer. I think that's about right. You got Nick. You got Ricky. I think you know what to expect there. Um, I think A.B. could be that third cog. And that makes for a, a, just a nasty backcourt, that trio. And if you add what Devo brings to the table, his intangibles, there's going to be times when Jordan Walsh slides up from the four and he's playing that small forward spot when Arkansas is going bigger. So you've got five guys there at the one, two, and three spot uh, that I think can be one of the premier backcourts, not only in the, in the SEC, but in the entire country. And that's why you have to still feel really good, I think, about where Arkansas is at. But to go back to some of these accolades, you know, that, that the guys have been getting this week, I, I thought there was a really neat shout out for Ricky Council that I wanted to share. Um, our friends over at CBS.com, CBSSports.com, they do a weekly story. Uh, they call it the dribble handoff. And it's a pretty cool idea. It's, it's where one question, college basketball related question, is posed to their panel of writers. They all go through and provide an answer, right? And so this week, the question was simply, you know, who has been the most surprising player? In college basketball, and Gary Parish chose Ricky Council the fourth. Not not to pimp anyone else's podcast over here. Listen, you know what you need to be listening to, right? Uh, but I I do tune in to the Ion College Basketball podcast with Gary Parish and Matt Norlander uh, religiously. They know their stuff. They cover the national scene as good as anyone out there. 
but at any rate, the, the point is the rest of the college basketball world is starting to take notice of what we've been saying about Slick Rick uh, for months now. And you love to see it. And so here's what Gary Parrish had to say in his write-up about Council. He says, I always assumed Council would be good. I knew the staff was excited about his enrollment, but it's simply not common for somebody to transfer to a better league and better program and be significantly better, which is why Council has been one of the sport's biggest surprises. The six foot six guard averaged 12 points on 43.7% shooting from the field last season for a Wichita State team that finished 6-9 and nine in the American Athletic Conference. I'll add that he was the sixth man on that team. Uh, but back to Parrish's quote, he's now averaging 19.2 points while shooting 52.6% from the field for a 9-1 Arkansas team that's ranked 7th in the CBS Sports Top 25-1. Council was actually leading the SEC in scoring. How unexpected is this? So unexpected that even though he had – even though – there were two Arkansas players in our preseason list of the top 101 college basketball players. Uh, for reference there, they had Nick at number 13, and they had Anthony Black at number 44 in their top 101. Uh, Council was nowhere to be found, and that's looking like a miss, especially if Council leads the Razorbacks to their first Final Four since 1995. Shout out to RC4. I love that. So much fun to watch. He's been fantastic for Arkansas this season. I'm really happy to see him get this pub. Like I said, people are taking notice i love it i want to talk about the net rankings and and, and arkansas strength of schedule for a minute here you know once we get into sec play here in a couple weeks the, the resume talk is really going to start to heat up but it, it is interesting now you know where is arkansas right now in the net after after taking a kind of a decent hit from that unc greensboro game i think they dropped like nine or ten spots uh, the Hogs are up to number 22. Nothing to complain about with that. It's a great place to be, really, before you know league play starts. But you know there there have been some folks, uh, some chatter out there. People are a little disgruntled about the schedule. It, I get it. It is. It's slightly irritating that this was supposed to be Arkansas's toughest schedule uh, under Muss, and so many teams are just kind of underachieving right now. I, I guess what I would say is. I mean, it's hindsight. You never really know how things are going to play out, and uh, it's ever-evolving, right? So some of these teams that might be struggling right now, it could be a completely different story by the end of the year. Some of the wins that look good might not look so good when it all shakes out. Some might look better than they do right now. That's the thing about these net rankings. It will drive people nuts because you, know, you continue to look at them every day, and they just change and change and change. But it's interesting. You know, you go to Maui, expecting three quad one games every year, right? I think the, the problem is that the field is decided so far in advance uh, that you you, you kind of don't know what teams and what rosters are going to look like. Louisville's an example. They had a coaching change. Uh, man, they've really been struggling. I, I think the other part of it is it, it's luck of the draw once you get there because it's a tournament, right? You know, For example, Arkansas could have beaten Creighton in that three-point game, uh, and then they would have got a shot at Arizona. That would have been the most high-profile game on the schedule. But it is unfortunate that, that Louisville is one of the worst teams in the country. You know, not high major, but all of Division One basketball. I don't think anybody expected them to be, you know, like an NCAA tournament contender this year. Uh, but I don't think anyone could have predicted that they'd struggle like they have. The good news is they won last night. They won, got their first dub. They beat the hell out of Western Kentucky. I watched the whole thing. I was happy to see it. Uh, and listen, they jumped up to number 349 
in the net from like nearly last. Uh, you know, they got a couple winnable, a couple winnable games coming up here, uh, but they got a long way to go to get out of that quad four status. Good to see him get that win, though. You know, they showered Kenny Payne with the water in the locker room. That that had to feel good for him. Hopefully, they the more games they win, the better for Arkansas for sure. I think Creighton's probably the one that's kind of caught me off guard. It's wild if you think about it. You know, they blow out Texas Tech. Uh, they beat Arkansas in that great game. I mean, as a preseason top 10 team, they've lost five in a row since that night. Some of it's, I mean, they played Arizona. They played at Texas. That, that'll get you a couple losses, right? But, you know, they've also lost Kalkbrenner, who's their great center. He's been out for a few games now. But they sure aren't playing like the team who couldn't miss in Maui. You know, they're down to 47th in the net. So, you know, it's still a quad one loss, so it doesn't hurt you too bad. Uh, but the selection committee on the on the team sheets where they really evaluate postseason resumes, uh, they even have some separations within the quadrants. So, like, there are quad ones. So on a neutral site like Maui, that's teams ranked top one through 50. But then there are quad one A's, which are those really high-profile games against the best of the best, essentially. Uh, Arkansas doesn't have one of those right now, even with a loss. To Creighton, you, you kind of thought that they might fit in that category. So far, they don't. San Diego, San Diego State's the best win for Arkansas right now. They're, they're at 40 right now in the net, but I think they're a team that's going to continue to climb. They're going to be good in their league. They'll probably be ranked in the top 25 by the time it's all said and done, but that's, that's the one uh, quad one win that Arkansas has right now. When they beat Oklahoma last weekend, it, it was a quad one at the time, but it, the 10-point loss dropped the Sooners out of that top 50. So it's, it's a quad two. They're going to be an interesting one to follow. I think they're going to be hovering right around the bubble this season, I could see them. I mean, what do you guys think? You watch. I could see them being an NCAA tournament team, uh, you know, maybe a 10, 11 seed. But it's going to be close for them because the Big 12 is a good league. I know it's hard to root for a team like Oklahoma, but you might want to for your own, you know, seeding purposes in March. I think you have to remember, you know, also that Baylor game that comes in late January. That's a guaranteed quad one game. That's a high profile showcase kind of opportunity. It's on the road. Uh, I've said it before and I'll say it again. I, I think, you know, if that game, if, if that SEC Big 12 challenge was was played already or if it was next week or whatever instead of later in the year, people would have a much different perception, I think, of Arkansas's strength of schedule. It'll all shake out in the end. So, you know, it might look a little bit light on the surface. Not really, but compared to other teams uh, now. But when you add in a game like going on the road to play Baylor, there's not many tougher games than that that a team could put on a schedule. Uh, it just comes in late January when you're in the middle of SEC play. So it kind of gets swallowed there, but it still gets accounted for when it matters. Just, you know, right now in the present, kind of what I'm talking about. I will say this, though, like there's there's no argument. Arkansas schedule is still much better than it was last year at this point. You know, right now at Kempom, Arkansas ranks their number 14 team in the country at Kempom. But it it's non-conference strength of schedule right now. It's 145 out of 363 teams. So better than middle of the pack. And if you take the, the top 25 ranked teams in the country, and just look at that non-conference strength of schedule. Arkansas is 15th out of those 25 teams. So, uh, you know, comparatively speaking to you know, the other ranked teams, the other really good teams, and, and what they're doing with their non-conference schedule, Arkansas is they're they're right there in that mix. 
I think where people are getting frustrated is that they're kind of, it's a little bit like last year where people are looking up every night and seeing, you know, like an Alabama playing really good opponents. Credit to them. Uh, they've scheduled a gauntlet, you know, Michigan State, UConn, North Carolina, Houston, Memphis. They've got Gonzaga this weekend. It's nuts. It's just a difference in philosophy. You know, so I, I'd like to see the Hogs schedule a little bit more aggressively too, uh, but you know, it is what it is. There's tons of opportunity left. And like I said, these things evolve on a daily basis. The SEC is not going to be easy. It's coming. But the point I think right now is Arkansas is in a really good spot. They're in a better spot than they were last year. You know, that Oklahoma loss, uh, it dropped them significantly. That blowout, they're not there right now. You know, I think they just need to keep plugging away. You're number 10 in the AP poll, top 25 in the net. You're trending around that three-seed line in the early bracketology. Again, way too early. But it is interesting, like Joe Lenardi, for example, you know, he has Arkansas as a three-seed right now uh, playing Furman in the first round. But then they would get the winner of West Virginia and St. John's. I mean, could you imagine a, an Eric Musselman versus Mike Anderson NCAA tournament game? The storylines are unreal. That will be so much fun to cover. I think Arkansas would win, too. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Anyway, like I was saying, I, I, I do think you just need to keep plugging away here. So far, uh, man, it, and knock on all the wood that's around you, right? But the Hogs have avoided that downswing that they hit every year that kind of puts them in a little bit of a hole uh, and they've been hit with that injury that, that's cost them in the past. And we only have a one-game sample size. Uh, but you got to feel encouraged by what you saw uh, from Arkansas against a, a pretty good Oklahoma team without Trevin Brazil. Uh, they're going to lose some games this season. They will. Uh, but can they stay away from that five out of six or four out of five spell that puts them in a hole? This was the spot where it happened last year. They got past Oklahoma this time around. The next step is figuring out how the hell – to play well in North Little Rock. You got to reverse some bad voodoo in that place, man. It, it, it doesn't make sense to me. It just doesn't. The, the crowds in Simmons Bank Arena are awesome. The atmosphere is juiced, but that building is like the twilight zone for whatever reason. You know, Arkansas is 12 and 10 in that building since it opened in 1999. Was it Alltel Arena, then Verizon, now it's Simmons Bank? 12 and 10. So the history goes back, but, you know, Muss has coached in there twice. The first was that, that wild game against Valpo in his first year. Everybody remembers that the iconic Adriel Bailey block. That was an unbelievable play. Arkansas wins that game by four points. Really had to sneak it out. Of course, last year, man, how much did we talk about that? You know, 
Baby Eola comes in here and, and destroys Arkansas. Hofstra is without their leading score. They score 89 points and, and pull off that upset. It was just weird. I do find it fascinating that Musk, you know, he's not only vocal about like, hey, we got to play better, put on better performances in front of the fans in North Little Rock. He is literally making changes to the schedule to try and spark it. It's interesting. You know, the team is leaving four or five hours earlier than they did last year just to get down there, get, to get in town. I think he said they were going to leave about like 11, 15 Friday morning, uh, you know, get an early afternoon practice in, get them off their feet, have a team meal, watch some film, relax. So they make that change. This game is usually a night game, 7 p.m. I think it has been the last couple times. It's a 3 p.m. start this year. Must said he likes that. You know, instead of sitting around the hotel, just kind of waiting all day, they get up, have breakfast, go have shoot around, and, and then you're gearing up and you're getting ready to play. Maybe that'll have them ready to go. I think this team is just built a little bit different, honestly. I think they're playing better coming into this game. I, I like their mentality, their mental makeup. Uh, they relish in these opportunities. They were fired up in Maui for that opportunity. They were fired up in Tulsa. These guys are ready to go. They're ready to play. It's a hungry group. So um, I get the sense that they might be able to really turn around, kind of reverse course uh, from what we've seen in North Little Rock the last few times out. Hopefully. In that building, you just take a win, to be honest with you. Uh, but I think they're going to play well. You never like having a week off between games. I know Must doesn't like that, but this it might come at a good time for Arkansas here. You know, you're still trying to figure some things out, get the rotation going. Uh, you know, losing Trevin kind of alters the way you play and where your strengths are. So this gives them an, oppor you know, an opportunity to work on some things, find some new wrinkles, some combinations that work. So the little break here might have come at a good time. Obviously, it's finals week also. This guy's been in the books, right? No, this game is not on television or available for streaming. I know that really ticks people off. Simmons Bank Arena is equipped to do it. I, I, I think it's more about the contracts here. You know, this, this game wasn't picked up by any of the SEC's network partners, but it still falls within the SEC network's rights, which means it's not eligible to be broadcast independently or locally or by any third party. Like if, if, if their network doesn't pick up the game, there's nothing you can do with it. So it sucks. It's unfortunate, but... That's where we're at. So, you know, we'll have, we'll have Chuck and Z on the radio call. Uh, you know, we'll have live updates rolling over at, over at Hawksports.com. You would think in 2022 you'd be able to figure it out and have some kind of stream, but um, contracts still exist uh, in this day and age, and, and you got to follow them. The opponent in there, Bradley, uh, is an interesting one. First of all, I, I might as well piss people off now with more housekeeping. Uh, there was a lot of debate about whether or not this game in North Little Rock should count as a home game uh, or a neutral site last year. ton of debate about that, really, uh, because it would have changed how ugly that Hofstra loss looked. I think if Arkansas won, people wouldn't have really cared as much. But uh, there's a lot of debate about that. You know, and last year it wound up being a, a counting as a home game. I flat out asked Eric Musselman about it at the press conference yesterday because I've been getting conflicting reports from people. But I asked Muss about it, and even though it won't be played – on campus in Bud and Walton Arena, Saturday's matchup will be classified as a home game for Arkansas when it comes to the net rankings. 
I mean, it's a home atmosphere, right? I mean, it's 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 a hundred percent pro Arkansas crowd. But you do have to travel. It's not in your own building, so you know you wonder. I'm told that change occurred about three years ago. The reason being, you know, Arkansas does it annually. Uh, it's always the home team. It plays a different opponent in there each year, and, and the U of A has been running that event. You know, so how is that different from you know the Oklahoma game at the BOK Center? That that's a neutral site, not a home game for either team. I think it's because it, the, the responsibilities appear to be split there. You know, last year the Sooners were the home team. Their athletic department ran the event. This year that flipped to Arkansas. So you know, neutral site it is. But you know why it kind of stinks is. Bradley's a good team. Right now, they're number 77 in the net. That's the highest-ranked mid-major team at Arkansas's face. I, I guess if you want to count San Diego State as a mid-major, but they're a household name. Uh, but but that's, a, that's a quality team in Bradley. If this was a neutral site, it'd be a quad two for Arkansas, going back to these net rankings. As a home game, though, it, it's a quad three. So, you know, this is a Bradley team that I think has a really good shot to win the Missouri Valley Conference this year. Like, I think they're one of the top two teams there. Uh, but it's asking a lot for, for any mid-major in a conference like that to stay top 75 in the net, which which is where they need to be uh, to be a quad two for Arkansas at the end of the year. Um, if this was a neutral side game, it would only be top 100. You feel like they could get there. And it's just a minor boost. Right? If Arkansas wins and takes care of business, it, it really doesn't matter. Anyway, you know, Bradley's seven and three on the season. Folks probably see, you know, you look at their schedule, you see a twenty one point loss to Auburn and, and you can make a comparison there and go, Oh, Hawks should run them out of the gym. And maybe they will, but I will point out that in that Auburn game, Bradley was missing their leading scorer, Jay Sean Henry, uh, and their all conference center in, in rink mast. That's two pretty important pieces there. I'm not saying that would have completely changed the outcome, but it definitely changes the complexion of Bradley's team. They haven't lost since Mass returned, and and must seem really confident that Henry was going to be back in the lineup by Saturday. You know, we talked about the the break that Arkansas has. You know, a week off between games. Bradley hasn't played. It, it will have been 11 days when they stepped foot on the floor against Arkansas. Their last game was December 6th, so they've had a lot of prep time. You know, a lot of heal-up time. But with that long of a break, you have to wonder how sharp they're going to be early on. Do they have their game legs underneath them? So I, I wonder how important it will be for Arkansas to, to get out, be disruptive, um, you know, and kind of try to take advantage of that early and get off to a quick start. You know, Bradley's really good defensively. Auburn scored 85 points on them, a little bit shorthanded, whatever. Uh, but in the five games since, they're allowing 48.6 points per game. That's pretty damn good. I don't care who you're playing. Holding teams under under 50 points, 48.6 points per game in the last five. You know, must have they kind of mix things up defensively. A lot of man-to-man, but they'll show a 1-3-1 zone. Arkansas has actually seen quite a bit of that this year. Who was it? Was it Troy that I felt like ran that 1-3-1 the entire game? I think it was Troy. They did a pretty good job attacking it. They've done pretty good attacking that Ole Miss. That they like to run that 1-3-1 under Kermit Davis, and, and Arkansas has been pretty good against it uh, over the course of the years. And Bradley would throw some full-court pressure at you as well. It, you know, The thing about them that kind of stands out to me is, is Bradley's a mid-major team that looks like an SEC team. They've got three guys who are 6'9 or taller in the starting lineup, 
And, and then they've got a, you know, a 6-7 and a 6-6 kind of guard slash wing type players that play quite a bit as well there. So, uh, you know, their one and two guards are a little bit smaller. But, man, on the wings and in the front court, they've got a lot of length. Especially for, you know, a, a, an MVC team. Shoot three pretty well, 34%, eight makes per game. So Arkansas is going to have to guard the three-point line, obviously. They've been good about that. It's going to be another one of those contrasts of styles. You know, Bradley plays a slow tempo. I think uh, adjusted tempo on Kimpom is like 316th in the country. So they're deliberate. A lot of low-scoring games. We, we talked about it. While, you know, they're holding teams to 48.6 points a game in their last five. They haven't been scoring a ton themselves. Arkansas obviously likes to speed things up. You know, we know the Hogs are at their best when they are forcing turnovers, fueling the transition break. And, and Bradley's a team that's kind of, you know, they're a little bit prone to coughing it up there. If you look at turnovers per game, I think it's like 13 per game. That's probably more than you want. It's not a crazy number. Uh, but they're also a really low possession team because they play so slow. So their turnover percentage is actually pretty high. Arkansas is going to get out there in those passing lanes. If they can get rolling in transition, they're going to be fine. Kim Palm projects Arkansas as a 12-point favorite in this game. Low-scoring game. They have it 73-61. to 61. So, Arkansas has got this one on Saturday. Then they have UNC Asheville at home uh, next Wednesday before SEC play. Sure would feel pretty good going into league play at 11-1. Two more games to get there. SEC is going to be interesting. It, it's interesting to watch how the league is kind of shaping up here. I opened up a mailbag on our, our message board earlier in the week and it had a few questions about you know my power rankings or how I see the standings shaking out for the SEC. So um, we could do some of that, you know, kind of break it down into tiers maybe uh, a little bit, see who the contenders and, and the pretenders are at this point in the season. Um, you know, in the SEC tournament, you get four teams who get that double buy. The top four seeds get that double buy. So, um, you know, to me, that group of four at the top right now, I, I would go with Arkansas, uh, Alabama, Tennessee, and yeah, probably Kentucky. I, I know you don't want to hear that, but, uh, you know, if I was forced to put an order on it right now, um, in fairness, as, as much as I hate to say it, I'd probably start with Alabama. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what their staying power looks like. They're going through some injury stuff too, but, man, they've been impressive so far. They've knocked off two number ones already. We'll see what they do with Gonzaga this weekend. But They're deep. They're talented. Um, they've got some star freshmen like Arkansas does, and they, they've certainly been, been battle-tested here. They've gone through a gauntlet. Arkansas, I still think, is right there. You know, with Brazil, I think I would give Arkansas the edge at the top. Uh, without him, I'm not ruling anything out, though. I, I just need to see more of how this rotation is going to shake out and, and how guys emerge. You know, does Arkansas keep getting the Jordan Walsh it got on Saturday? If so, they're in business. I think there's room for another big man to emerge, though. And I don't know who that's going to be. And, and you know, I, I think Arkansas is in a good spot with Makai and, and Kamani right now. But I think they need one more in that front court, whether it's, you know, somebody who can come in and play the five or someone, you know, and, and that lets Makai maybe play a little bit more at the four, um, you know, or if it's someone who can, can play that power forward spot and, and fill in some minutes on nights where you, you might have trouble in the SEC going real small uh, with Walsh at the power forward. It's all about matchups. 
so how comfortable are you, you going to be with some of these guys? You know, Jalen Graham was one we talked about a lot. Um, as someone who could get some opportunity there, he, he, he played three minutes against Oklahoma. Wasn't his best. You know, he got, got dunked on there and we didn't see him again. Um, but at some point you got to take advantage of these early opportunities. They're not going to come around anymore, you know? Uh, and so I want it for him and, and we've seen these spurts, but they haven't come uh, necessarily in meaningful points of games. You know, Arkansas has always got it well under control. It's kind of down the stretch. He comes in and has these outbursts. You need to do that early on if it's going to turn into something consistent. I really like the way he plays. I, I like some of the versatility he has. I, I think he could help this team a lot. He's got to do it. You know, one that I really have my eye on, though, is Mikel Mitchell. Uh, I think Arkansas needs a guy like that. I love Kamani. I'm not taking anything away from him. I feel like sometimes it comes across like, you know, people are trying to replace Kamani Johnson. No, no, he's earned his spot. Plays his tail off. He's got an edge. He plays with energy. He knows what he's doing out there. Arkansas is a better team defensively and on the offensive glass when he's in the game. But he's 6'7". He's not an above-the-rim player. He's not a rim protector. Arkansas is going to need that. They're going to need some, you know, Makai Mitchell is going to need some help in there uh, as an enforcer in the paint because you look around the SEC and you've got Oscar Shibwe and Colin Castleton and Tolu Smith and Janai Broom, and the list, keep, list keeps going and going with talented centers in this league. Uh, Arkansas went out and recruited a lot of depth in the front court for this reason, so I think they need one more guy to step up. Mikel Mitchell looks the part, man, 6'10", 240 pounds. He led the A-10 in block shots last year. Uh, we saw some flashes of him in Maui. He had that game against Louisville. What do you have, 12-6? and six? I thought in all three of those games in Maui, you saw good things from Mikel in spurts. But in the four games since, he's played a total of eight minutes. He hasn't gotten in the last two games. So is he behind, you know, on the playbook? What is it? You know, is he is he still trying to figure out some things, getting bought in? I, you know, I don't know. I'm just speculating. But I really think if he could be a guy that, and it doesn't have to be anything crazy, but eight to twelve minutes that you could count on him to come in there and be a big physical body. He has that same edge and toughness about him uh, that Kamani does. But he can protect the rim at a high level. I think that's going to be a big part of of this defense going from really, really, really good to elite. And I think for Arkansas. Uh, to reach the goals that they have this year, which are lofty, uh, especially without Trevin, they're going to need to be elite on the defensive end. I think he's a guy that could help take them there. But we'll see. We'll see if he gets his opportunities. And if he does, what does he do with them? A lot of year left. You know, Musk talks about it all the time when we ask him these questions. Like, this time last year, Trey Wade wasn't even playing. He wasn't even in the rotation consistently. He wound up being a, a starter through most of SEC play. Um you know, he's guarding Chet Holmgren in the in the Sweet 16. So, uh, you know, just because guys haven't found their role or, or kind of carved out their niche through 10 games doesn't mean that it can't happen or that it won't happen. Anyway, I got off on a tangent there, but I still like where Arkansas is at in the SEC. Uh, you know, quickly on those other teams, Tennessee, they're filthy defensively now. They, I mean, they put teams through hell guarding them. But it's almost more painful to watch Tennessee try and score. Offensively, they are challenged. It's going to be really interesting to see how they look against Arizona this weekend. That's a big matchup for them. Uh, Kentucky, man, they kind of remind me of, of maybe where Arkansas was at this time last year. You know, like you, you look up and down the roster, uh, you see all this talent, you feel like they're underperforming for what they have. It's a big year for John Calipari. In the past, his teams have been pretty much guaranteed to be able to figure it out by league play. Uh, they had 
obviously had the the early loss in the NCAA tournament last year after a good regular season. Um, you know, and they had the bad year during the COVID year. Uh, are they going to figure it out this time around? I, I don't know. He better hope so. But I do think that's my top four. You know, other SEC teams I think could be in that next tier uh, that could challenge that top group, Auburn, Mississippi State. What's holding them back right now in my eyes is I just haven't seen Auburn's guards take that next step yet. Still very good, but that's what I'm looking for. I think you kind of expect it with those guys coming back. How would they elevate their play? Because their their front court is not what it was last year. Still solid players in there. But Walker Kessler and Jabari Smith ain't walking through that door, so they need those guards to elevate their play. Haven't seen that yet. Will it happen? Maybe. And with Mississippi State, man, they've been defending people like crazy, but they just haven't really been challenged too much yet. So how does that defense hold up in SEC play night to night uh, and is it enough to make up for what's kind of been a lack of uh, firepower on the offensive end? We'll see. I'd probably throw Texas A&M in that second tier as well. I know they really struggled early on in the season, but I do think they're a better team than what they showed. Jury's still out for me. Um, you know, on a few teams, Florida, they're seven and four. Uh, I do think that's a group that they're talented. I think they're going to get better throughout the year under Todd Golden. He's young, uh, trying to find his way, but he's so smart and analytically driven. I, I think that they're going to be able to figure it out. They'll be playing good ball by the end of the year. Uh, you know, LSU and Missouri, I don't, I don't know that either team is as good as their 9-1 and one records. Um, I haven't seen enough of them yet to know if I should call them paper tigers or not, pun intended. I think I'm out on Ole Miss. And then, you know, obviously Vandy, Georgia, South Carolina, kind of down there at the, at the bottom of the league on the, on the struggle bus. But that's kind of where I'd have it right now. Chris Beard stuff, man, yikes. Obviously, that was kind of the situation that rocked college basketball early in the week. You know, whatever, arrested, possible third-degree felony, alleged to have, you know, gotten violent with, with his fiance there. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a guy who tries to, to hear both sides of things and, and let it play out a little bit before passing final judgment. But listen, um, it ain't looking good for him, in my opinion, having a future at Texas unless there's some kind of wild exoneration that takes place here. He's already suspended without pay. Whatever. This isn't a Texas podcast. Their problems are their problems. But I, I think there are two relevant topics that have come up quite a bit uh, in terms of how this could impact Arkansas. Right. The first is, you know, what does it mean for Ron Holland? Right. Uh, you know, the five star Ford, Duncanville, Anthony Black's you know former teammate. The Hogs finished second in that race and his recruitment. He's committed and signed with Texas right now. So first of all, by rule, you know, he would have to apply for and, and gain release from his letter of intent before any other schools could reach out to him and start recruiting him again. By rule. I know the things that go on. But I don't know if that's what he's going to do. I don't, I don't think there's any guarantees there. You know, his family was really detailed uh, and thorough throughout the recruiting process. They didn't make a lot of rash and, and quick decisions. So I, I would imagine they'll be just as pragmatic in monitoring this uh, as anything else. But I will say that, you know, Chris Beard, you know, the head coach is a big part of why you commit to a school, uh, but he wasn't nearly the only factor that contributed to Ron Shoes in Texas. Uh, look, if, if he does ultimately open things up, uh, yeah, I think Arkansas would, would immediately be at the top of the list of college options. I do think uh, that you probably want to keep a close eye on the G League Ignite 
as well if that were to happen. As of right now, he's he's committed and signed to Texas. The other part, it's it's kind of been floating around there is, you know, if, if Chris Beard does get fired as Texas, are we worried about Texas trying to, to poach Eric Musselman? There's a thought. You know, whether we want to admit it or not, you know, Texas is a one of the premier jobs in the country. I'm not saying top tier, but but they're up there. What, top 15-ish? We're getting ready to join the SEC, that brand-new state-of-the-art arena. Uh, great recruiting in, you know, in the backyard there in Texas. And the pockets are lined well enough to where they can offer whoever their top target is some serious money. Right? So that being said, though, look, Muss and his family, they love it at Arkansas. It's not lost on them how unique this place is. The fan support second to none. They've proven how you can win and recruit in this program at an extremely high level. He was asked about it on his radio show earlier in the week. I, I've got his quote right here. I, I thought it was a great quote from Muss. He said, as a family, we feel really lucky and fortunate to be here. I've been fired before, so I really respect the job that you have. I think right now we feel like from a recruiting standpoint, we can recruit at Arkansas as well as we could anywhere in the country. Certainly our crowds, we've proven whether we play in Tulsa, Fayetteville, North Little Rock, that we can sell buildings out, which is really important for recruits and your current team and the excitement around the program. We've been to two Elite Eights. As far as we're concerned, this is one of the premier jobs in the entire country. It was before I got here, and it will be that way for many years. It's a pretty good comment. Makes you feel pretty good about it. So, you know, are we worried about Texas trying to poach Muss if Chris Beer gets fired? Um, I think we worry that they will try. And I don't know that it's necessarily a hugely attractive destination for him. I've always been under the opinion that if, you know, if Musk ever went somewhere else, it, it'd probably be back out on the West Coast somewhere, if even that. He's got such a great situation here. Uh, but but what I do think is, you know, whether it's them or, or anybody coming after Musk at all, I think Arkansas does need to be prepared to open up the checkbook and pay Eric Musselman like a king. If he does some of the things that that people are anticipating he's going to do with this team. I mean, he got the extension a couple years ago, but look, back-to-back Elite Eights, bringing in five stars, winning a ton of games, selling out buildings, and and if this team has a special year, um, probably time for another raise, right, and and an extension. So uh, that would be more in lines of of what I'd be looking for in the immediate future with with terms of Eric Mossman. What are we going to pay that man? I know he was top ten in the country in pay. I don't, I don't know what some of these contracts have been over the you know the last year or so, but um, he's definitely warranted a raise in my book. But I can't give it to him. All right, let's jump over to the comments and see what we have here. Zachary Beeler, so I think Ricky is the second best portal pickup in the Must era, slightly behind JD, uh, because we never. Because if we never get JD, we probably won't have as good of a program. Yeah, that, that's – uh, man, I'd have to go through and kind of rank the transfers in my mind. Justin Smith was such a good such a good one, a valuable piece. Obviously, you had Stan last year, but, yeah, Ricky's been incredible. The thing about JD is, is you had him, and that was before you could just transfer and, and go wherever you want and play wherever you want. You know, he had that sit-out year. I think that was huge for him. You know, getting comfortable in the in the system, but yeah, he was incredible, and you had him for two years, which is also really key. I mean, you're going to have Ricky for two years. He he seems like a guy that's playing his way into a, a pretty solid draft slot. We'll see. 
but yeah, JD was unbelievable. He's he's got to be at the at the top of that list. Um, I've said it on the board a million times. I think he's the most underrated and underappreciated Razorback in my lifetime. Big JD Note fan right here. In case you guys didn't know, West Glass says, "Will they continue having the OU game and the BOK after they join the league?" I don't think so. Nah, it'll it'll go to uh, to home and home at that point. Especially, and we don't know what the scheduling is going to look like. Uh, but you know, if 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 they play two games against Oklahoma in a year, like I don't, I mean, you wouldn't play one in the BOK Center and one in Fayetteville, or the other in Norman, right? So I think it would go back to campus sites at that point. Um, let's see. Baylor says definitely could see OU sneaking in. Uh, they need someone else to step up beside Sherfield. I agree. That dude's good though. That's one of the better guards Arkansas has seen. You know, I, I think the Razorbacks did such a good job on the Groves brothers that you forget how good those two guys are. Really nice job of shutting them down. Dustin Hoofman says, one thing about scheduling and games played, you have 11 new players and several freshmen. Got to be careful of overscheduling. Uh, roster turnover in, in college basketball is all over the place. I agree, though. It's a young team. You got to work your way into it. And again, it, it's you know it's it's like revisionist history here. Coming into the year with this young team, what was all the conversation about? Like, man, they're going to be tested right away. Going to Maui, got this game against Oklahoma. So some of those teams are underachieving right now. So it takes a little bit of the luster off of it. But it's it, they've certainly been challenged. Yeah, that St. John's versus Arkansas would be nuts in the uh, in the NCAA tournament. Dustin Hoofman also says, Musselman doesn't settle for mediocrity. He doesn't like a loss no matter the team. No, he does not. He does not. His press conferences after after losses are always, uh, <laughs> it's always a little tense in there. That was a Maui problem. That was so weird that, you know, they're streaming live these press conferences and you just got a couple of local reporters in there in, in Maui. Asking one or two questions, like we not at you know done a Zoom locally and 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 you know answered or asked some questions there. It would have been nice if we could have, but he didn't have much to say after that Creighton game. That's for sure. Kingsley, my guy, says with TB out and Jordan being called to play more forward, do you see Barry Dunning helping at the four as well? Yeah, it's a game, a name that hasn't been mentioned as much, but. Uh, he is a guy that could do that, you know, in, in situations where Arkansas might need to go a little bit smaller or more athletic, he could be an option that could come in there. He's got to get a little bit more comfortable. If he's playing like he did in Europe, I could definitely see him, you know, getting a few minutes here and there. The times that we've seen him during the regular season, he looks a little bit, uh, just a little bit unsure, you know, a little hesitant out there. But uh, yeah, because I think one thing, you know, Brazil is so important because, he was like the ultimate adjustment, right? Like you could put him in and you can go small without going small because of the way he spaces the floor and can play on the perimeter. But you can also go big without getting too clunky. That's one thing I think you have to look at with Arkansas right now is that they feel like they need to play two forwards. Uh, do things get clunky, you know, offensively or, or bogged down or clogged up in the paint because you've got Makai and Kamani on the floor at the same time? I think Makai's a little more versatile than we give him credit for, but but you know what I'm saying. So uh, maybe, you know, we've we've seen freshmen emerge in the past. 
Joe Edison says, this is a year I always say it and believe it every time. I like it. Hope so. Yeah, another good one here from Beeler. You know, it would be cool to play Memphis in the Rock every year. I know Penny doesn't want to come to Bud. And he he probably doesn't want to come to Bud. You know, there was talk about Arkansas and, and Memphis starting a series. Um, it sounded like they probably wanted it to start at home, both teams. They couldn't really come to agreement there. I, I would be cool with that, you know, as a, as a neutral site, if it counted as a neutral site. You know, for a game like that, it's, it's kind of a split the difference. I don't think it would be fair for Arkansas and, and Memphis to play in North Little Rock and it to be a home game for Arkansas. You see TB entertaining the idea of returning next year, keep the hope alive. <laughs> Who knows? I, I, here's what I do know is, is he's going to have to bet on himself one way or the other. You know, there are going to be NBA teams that are willing to, to spend a draft pick on him, uh, offer him real guaranteed money and a contract uh, to prove himself because that's where you get him at a value cost if you're if you're an NBA franchise and so for him uh, he could go prove himself there you're one year closer to getting to that second contract and that's where it's at once you get to the league or he could return bet on himself in that way play his way into a higher draft slot you know, guaranteed first round pick, whatever. But that runs the risk of, hey, you, you just lost a season to injury. Are you going to be back, you know, with the with the rush shaking off as soon as the year starts? You know, there's, there's a lot of considerations on both sides. I, I've i told people I, I lean towards, you know, no, he won't be back, but only because it seems like the last few years with, you know, Arkansas guys who have had decisions to make, pro, stay or go, they, they usually go, right? doesn't mean that'll be the case with him. That's just kind of the luck we've run into at Arkansas recently. Stephen Brimley says, do we have a scholarship free because of Trevin's injury? Because Fardall, Fardall's AMAC entered the portal and I heard he could play this year. No, Arkansas doesn't. Um, full 13 scholarships. You know, even with Brazil being hurt, he's still on scholarship. You know, the only way you'd really get one back there. Uh, as if if he medically retired, and at that point, I don't I don't know if it would open up right away for this season or not. But uh, no, I don't think so. Unfortunately, you know, if I was AMAC at this point, I feel like I would just really heal up and and try to play next year because he just got that cast off Monday. For those who aren't familiar, uh, you know, one of the guys in the portal that that people were enamored with, Arkansas was on him early. They actually weren't one of his finalists, but. You know, they, they took Brazil early. They got the Twins early. Um, AMAC was a guy who, you know, he could shoot the three, 6'10", rebounds at a really high level. Uh, so an exciting player. He wound up going to Texas Tech, and, and he broke his – I think he broke his foot. Some sort of lower body injury there. And, you know, he was in a cast and recovering. They were saying, oh, he should be back by the start of conference play. And then he just randomly hit the portal yesterday, said he felt like he was being rushed back from injury. Uh, you know, the interesting thing about that is, you know, people are so frustrated – uh, like with Nick's situation, right? When it came to, well, why, why aren't they giving us a timeline? When is he going to be back? What's going on? And I understand why that could be frustrating for some people, but the truth is timelines vary from person to person and, and injury to injury, whatever. And when you put a label on something like that, you're putting pressure uh, really on a kid and nobody else, in my opinion, and, and so you see the other side of that here where they're saying, no, he'll be back by January. He'll be back by Big 12 play. And, and Fardall's is saying, oh, 
you guys are putting the heat on me. I don't like this. I'm getting out of here. Let's see. Scrolling through a little conversation here. Yeah, Kingsley says, Kel, Mikhail looks the part, but he's got to get some reps before it gets real. Uh, I agree. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I would really like to see him just get a just get a little run, you know, over the course of these next two games. Um, be good for him, build some confidence before league play, get some more continuity with the players. I mean, you practice with them every day, but it's a little bit different to get game reps with your teammates. Um, part of that's on Arkansas handling their business. You know, if it's a UNC Greensboro type of, of close barn burner, you're probably not going to see it for any significant stretches. But, you know, if Arkansas is able to get these things under control uh, and, and get some cushion, that gives Muss a little bit more comfort, I think, in, in being flexible and opening things up in the rotation a little bit. You can see what you got. Let's see. Caleb Price says, how much is this Creighton loss hurting Arkansas in the rankings? Yeah, I touched on that a little bit. It's not too much. I mean, it's still a quad one game. I think when Creighton gets healthy, they're going to figure it out. And, and I would imagine they're going to be a tournament team and, and maybe a, a top 25 team. I think that'll stay in the quad one category. Louisville, beating Louisville is hurting Arkansas worse than losing to Creighton just because Louisville has been so bad, if that makes sense. Stephen Brimley says, LSU is an unknown, but Missouri is definitely paper tigers after seeing Kansas thrash them on their own floor. Yeah, that was that was, uh, that was was an ugly game. I think it was an eye-opening experience for Missouri. We'll see how they regroup. I think they play Illinois next week. So that'll be another you know good matchup to watch for them. They also play UCF. I think that's this weekend. It's a UCF team that just beat Ole Miss pretty handily. So if you're into that transitive property stuff, you can watch that game and, and maybe get a little bit of an idea. Stephen Brimley says, no, I'm not worried about Texas getting must. I'm really not either. A Texas opening might just get must. A raise. <laughs> Last couple here. Yeah, must must handled Nick's injury. Excellent. I agree. Did a good job with that. You know, he's he was in the NBA for two decades. Like, must knows how to handle the press. Um, he knows how to handle it. There's not a situation that could come up that he hasn't seen, dealt with, or, or, or been prepared for in the past. All right. Good show. I said it might be a little bit shorter. Here we are. It's, it's been an hour. There's never any shortage of things to talk about with Arkansas basketball, though. Okay. Well, you know, as a reminder, Saturday, North Little Rock, Simmons Bank Arena, it's a 3 p.m. tip-off against Bradley. I think that's going to be a fun game, good matchup for Arkansas. Uh, not on TV, not on stream, I know, but come over to hogsports.com. We'll have live updates for you. I'll do a live reaction video afterwards. Um, and then I, I think what we'll probably do is is Wednesday, Arkansas has got their last game of the of the semester here. Uh, and then we might hop on and, and do a show on Thursday, kind of recap where Arkansas is at, uh, do a little bit of an SEC preview, and then get you guys all set for the holidays. But again, man, the comments are just going crazy on these shows right now. I love that. Really appreciate the interaction. I can't say that enough. Um, always a fun time jumping on with you guys and doing the show. It's been Curtis Wilkerson with hogsports.com. Appreciate you, and we will talk to you next time. 
MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts.